Jeremy Rose in our Wellington studio. Hi, Jeremy. Oh, kia ora, Karen. How's it going? Not too bad. How is it in the capital? It's, it's, we've had a spell of lovely weather. It's been very nice. Not not too windy even. That's a change. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, I, I ride in on a bicycle, so you notice it, and it's uh, been been pretty good. Excellent. Well, I loved some of the stories you've got tonight, and I know you're going to talk about books later, but I nev- I've never heard of Canopy, this yeah. library service. Well, I hadn't either. I got I got an email or someone alluded to me last week, and um, it's the service started up in America in 2008 for universities, so they could access, the students and the faculty could access high-quality movies, documentaries, the lot. And it's been extended to public libraries. And there's a whole lot of New Zealand public libraries who seem to have signed up to it. Um, 26,000 videos, all available for free as long as you've got a video card. and um, Or a library card. Uh, sorry, a library card. It, it really is. It's like, it's like the best video store you could imagine. Um, Christchurch Library has done quite a neat thing. They've got film critic Philip Matthews to um, recommend his favourite world cinema. They've got Lara Strongman, who's a curator at the local art gallery, talking about art documentaries. So, you know, so they've actually added value to it. And there's 391 documentaries in the media and communication section alone. Um, I had a look, Jeremy, to to see whether it was in Auckland, and I could only see it in Christchurch and Timaru. But mind you, I didn't look at all the other places, but I can't see it in Auckland libraries. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't manage. I actually did send them an email asking, and they didn't get back to me. So I don't know how many libraries. I know Wellington, I know Christchurch, and I think I saw about two or three others. That's a wonderful thing. It's, It's really a really great service. And one of the documentaries in that media and communication section was one called Elizabeth Riddell, New Zealand journalist and poet. And I thought, God, I haven't heard that name. You know, usually with New Zealanders who have done well overseas, I've kind of heard them. And I thought we'd just listen to a clip from that now. So then I was at my last term at school, and Ezra Norton, who was a newspaper proprietor in Sydney, hired me from New Zealand because some one of his flunkies in New Zealand had read some poetry by me, awful poetry. And um, it was the custom of newspaper owners to uh, hire people from New Zealand because they thought the education was better than Australia. They used to go over and buy people in New Zealand. And I came over and he paid my fare and my accommodation for a month and flung me into journalism. And she did extraordinarily well. That was Elizabeth Riddell. She became quite a figure in Australian journalism, a a poet and a war correspondent. And let's listen to her reflecting on that. But I only got into the war by being taken on sorties. And we went everywhere we could go. We went into Metz. I went, I tell you, another place we went was where there was a German submarine base. And I went on a bombing mission then. And they bombed that place and they were black in the face and it didn't hurt the submarines. They must have been so far down. That was good. Everybody brought back stockings and oranges and bananas and things from that raid. Sounds like a wonderful woman. Yeah, it's a fascinating... It's more of an old history than a documentary, really, and it's got sound effects and, and, and little bits. But it's, 
I was just amazed that I hadn't heard of her. Um, and she was really, you know, she was the first journalist on the Australian newspaper to win a Walkley Award, the top Australian media award. She uh, was a accomplished poet and celebrated in Australia. And the only mention I could find is that Marcia Russell, before she died, was working on some stuff about her. She was a, 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 a great... Uh, journalist uh, decades back now um, and one of the other things about oh no actually well, sorry I was, I'll talk about play stuff now so play stuff you know talk so we've got this canopy which I'd come across and then yesterday with a k with a k and then yesterday stuff announced this new service play stuff which is tens of thousands again of um, video on demand available free of charge if you call watching an advert. I mean, that's that's how you pay for it. But um, it's got 50 channels, including BBC, Reuters, Deutsche Welle, Māori TV, Press Association, NZ On Screen, Vice and RNZ. Um, so just heaps and heaps of content. It's, um, like I say, you, you tend to have to watch an ad beforehand. It's got a lot of NZ uh, On Air funded content, things like Q&A. Interestingly, if you watch Q&A on Play Stuff, you'll just get one ad at the beginning. If you watch it on TVNZ, which is the company that produces it, you get ads all the way through it. So actually there's um, benefit to watching it on the commercial one. They're the ones clipping the ticket in this case, but um, we, the viewer, aren't being penalised by having to watch lots and lots of adverts. Um, to go back to Elizabeth Riddell, she was awarded in 1986 the Reviewer of the Year in Australia, um, and that got me thinking a little bit about book reviews. I went looking at who won. She, uh, some of them, there's still some up on the Australian book review site. And um, Peter Carey's Oscar and Lucinda was one of the books that she reviewed. It was a beautifully long form, just a really interesting, great review. And that made me think about, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, I suppose, the newspapers started atrophying and one of the very first casualties of that was the book review section. So we've seen these shrinking book reviews over the years, you know, and lots of times it's just a brief here or there. Um, But you know, I thought, oh, so what's out there? And I was pleasantly surprised by how many places you can find long-form reviews, but I'm not sure that everyone would know that they exist. Um, Creative New Zealand in the 2018-2019 year gave out $240,000 to literary websites and book review sites, so there's quite a lot of public support. But I thought I'd ask you, actually, as as the author of a fairly recent novel, um, the March of the Frocks Gloves. What what was your experience of of reviews? I mean, I noticed that there was there was quite a lot of coverage. There's lots of interviews with you, but were there many reviews? I have got one that's more recent than that, actually, Jeremy. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Wing Talmot White Horse. But ah, yeah. And both of those, uh, it, it's difficult because there are factions in New Zealand literature. Uh, and, you know, there's high literature and what's considered not to be such high literature. So, uh, you know, it depends where you're placed or where you sit within that. Yeah, I mean, years ago I, I was a co-author of a book called New Zealand Abroad. Uh, it was a history, photographic kind of 
coffee table book of, of volunteer service abroad. And that was shortlisted for the Montana. So, you know, so kind That's of good. people, yeah, that, that was great. Um, but barely reviewed at all. I think it was in the, the New Zealand Review of Books, which, you know, that is still a place you go, but it's cost $10.50 to get that. Most of the reviews, I think the reviews have to be over 16 months old before they're freely available online, even though they get quite a big public grant to publish it. Um, but like I say, when I went looking, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. And on the web version of this story we've put up on the site, I've actually put links to a whole lot of uh, different book review websites and people that have them. So if we don't get through them, uh, listeners can go to the Media Watch page, and, and I hope the uh, Lately page, actually, and the story will be up there with, with links to everything we're talking it, about. It's good to know where to find them because, with, you know, with the lack of magazines and newspapers, you know, coming through your letterbox, uh, these days you have to search them out, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, one of the ones that made me think that was I came across this review, you know, um, whale oil has been in the news a bit this week because it's kind of in its final death throes or maybe it's stone cold dead. Um, that's, of course, and there was a book by the, the latter, I think. There was a book by the same name, and there's quite a good review of it um, by Professor Scott Pointing, um, and it, it, it made me laugh. At the, at the end of it, he um, he has a note to say that he was a he like many others were vicious, was viciously defamed by Cameron Slater. So it's it's even though it's written by an academic, it's not completely dispassionate, and he he's very open about that. Um, 1,200 words, really thoughtful, good review. And it appeared on a place called the Criminology Collective, which is a blog which comes out of Victoria University and I suspect has a very small readership. You know, I, I, I don't know how people would know to find it there. But 1,200 words, the type of review that you simply wouldn't get in many print publications and really worthwhile. There's a link to that. There's... It looks, it looks, sorry to interrupt you, it looks like a really interesting book too uh, on the subject of one of the very contentious, not that, well, I mean all of them were pretty contentious, uh, um, it was, litigation that he went through. Absolutely. Matt Blomfield, who was the businessman who was viciously attacked by the whale oil site, um, it's, it's that story. And until I read, read the review, I really didn't think I wanted to read the book, I, I, I thought the the malignancy that is whale oil just wasn't something I wanted to delve into. But but as you read that review, and it's a sign of a good review, you start to think, well, maybe I really should know more about that, you know. And and it and it's yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, but as I, you know, I thought my plan initially tonight was to kind of review the review sites. But when, when I went started to look, there's just so much material on a whole lot of different sites that to do a proper review would be, you know, a major undertaking. But I did just go and have a look at some of them and spotted things which caught my eye. The spin-off has the spin-off review of books. Um, and that, they have a, a, a Friday poem which they publish each time. And last Friday's one was a poem by Primo Levi, the great Italian Jewish writer who wrote a lot about the Holocaust. Um, and it turns out that a couple of New Zealanders have translated his book of poetry, um, and that was published on the 
31st of July. Um, so very international, but with a, with a local angle. That page, I don't know whether it was set up, but Steve Braunius used to be the editor, and he's moved across to Newsroom, and they've got one called The Reading Room. And Steve Braunius has written a really fascinating piece about a man who was imprisoned for having sex with Frank Sargison. And he was written about by Michael King in his biography of Sargison. And Braunius argues very convincingly that Michael King got it badly wrong. Again, just a, you know, a, an interesting read, and, a, and I'd recommend it. The Sapling is a got quite a big grant from Creative New Zealand. It's dedicated just to children's books, it has author interviews, book reviews, um, yeah, the lot, really interesting. The Scoop Review of Books, which I have to admit I did set up years ago when I, when I noticed that there was no... Um, no, you know that the reviewing was dying in the newspapers, but but didn't stick with it for long because I started working at Radio New Zealand. It's got an interesting story uh, called a review by um, Bob Brocky, will be known to some people as a cartoonist, and it's called Flying High: The Photography of Lord Homer. Uh, Lloyd Homer may be familiar to some listeners as that he took these amazing aerial photographs, including my favourite, I think, is one of Banks Peninsula. Um, so he was employed by GNS Science, and actually, I I did an interview with him when he was made redundant in the in the mid nineties. Uh, fascinating kind of character, and then his name, well, Pantograph Punch, is uh, kind of arts magazine with very very long, thoughtful reviews. I, I looked at one and actually uh, put put it into the word count: three thousand six hundred words uh, review of a of some of recent. Novels by young New Zealand writers, but three just three novels. So, um, for for people that like the long reviews, that's somewhere to go. Takahe, another literary magazine, long reviews again. Landfall, which is obviously the literary magazine with the longest history in New Zealand, it's um, got some. It it publishes both a hard copy, but also has an online version. Um, and then Radio New Zealand as well. I. I I wasn't actually aware, but we've got a section called Books and Authors, and it is just overflowing with very you know with content. In the last week, there were fifteen book reviews and author interviews. Probably doesn't come as a surprise, but um, yeah, quite remarkable. The Children's Book Awards were announced tonight on the subject of the sapling. Ah, and they they actually had a story on those, and I didn't click on it. But um, so they they were actually announced, were they? Yes, just this evening. And you know who. Uh, the Bomb took out the Margaret Mahi Book of the Year Award uh, and the Picture Book Award as well. Uh, Sasha Cotter, illustrated by Josh Morgan from Huia Publishers. Oh, I'll have to look that one up. So there'll be some celebrating this evening in children's books. Absolutely. Is that it for tonight then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was, we could just you know mention quickly that the listeners turned 80. They've got a special um, 80th birthday edition out. Uh, it was interesting. I was um, at the coffee machine, and one of the young journalists here, I, I pointed out that it had proper binding. You know, it's not just folded over; it's a properly bound magazine. And he said, "Oh, the listener." He said, "I've never read that." And I thought, "God, that, you know, people of our generation could can't really conceive of people having never read the listener." But it does show that it's gone from being an absolute pillar of our kind of journalism to to something else.
All right, very good. I won't comment on that, what what the something else is. (laughs) But thank you very much. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. You will indeed. Thanks very much. That's Jeremy Rose with Midweek Media Watch.